This is episode 53 of the Rising Man podcast with Chris Bartle. Rise up from the ashes. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday morning to you, or Thursday afternoon, or Friday morning, wherever you are in the world. Happy to be bringing to you another episode of the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host and the creator of this show, Jetty Azuma. And man, I gotta say, I can feel all of the transformation energy starting off this new year. If there's one thing I enjoy about New Year is that there's so much energy and attention on transformation and change and making a difference. Whether we keep up with those intentions and commitments is a whole nother ballgame. But one way or the other, big things are coming. Before we get into this episode, this interview for the week with my esteemed guest, I want to make sure that you guys are jumping over to the Pack Brotherhood at facebook.com slash groups slash the Pack Brotherhood. This is where uh, all of the deep dive conversations are now happening. The Conscious Man Brotherhood is an organization of which I am a founding father, along with Preston Smiles and a very, very esteemed council of men, whom I'm proud to call my brothers. This is something that has been in the midst of growing and developing over the past year and have finally aligned the Rising Man podcast with CMB. So happy to and honored to be having this community blend with that community because honestly, we're all a part of this conversation. We're all a part of this conversation of elevating masculinity and raising men, raising the vibration and the standard for men and for who we can be and how we can be in this world. So if you guys aren't already there, head over to the PAC Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash the PAC Brotherhood. <laughs> it's, it's definitely an amazing community. I think we're at about 1600 men and growing by the day. So head over there, get signed up, bring your buddies, do it. As you are listening to this, I am packing my bags and getting ready to head out into the wilderness for three amazing days with my brothers for the Elements Men's Initiation Weekend. This is going to be our second one. And if you're hearing this now for the first time and you're like, oh, I want to head out into the wilderness with a team of men who want to take off their masks and raise what's possible in their lives and break through the barriers that are keeping them from playing small. I want to be a part of that. Fear not because we are going to be doing more Elements adventures in the future. Because I'm waiting on my baby girl to arrive sometime in the spring, I don't have a specific date, but we're aiming at the summertime, maybe end of August this year in 2019. So if you are interested in that, if you're hearing about it for the first time or you want to get a jump and be on the early list of men enrolled, head over to rise.jettyazuma.com slash elements to find out more about what Elements is and to reserve your spot today. Okay, my guest for today is a man whom I just met a week ago. Yes, this is not typical operating procedure for the Rising Man podcast, but I couldn't help myself. Chris Bartle is an amazing man who lives right here in my backyard in Santa Barbara and who I was introduced to through a mutual friend of ours. Shout out to Ali. And really, really grateful that we had this opportunity to connect. Sometimes you just meet a man and you're like, yeah, yeah, you got this stuff. So for 10 years, Chris has been helping transform the lives of his clients by helping them make health and fitness a priority in their lives. From helping people lose 30 pounds of unwanted weight to preparing bodybuilding and powerlifting competitors to helping people overcome addiction, Chris has leveraged his life experience to help others achieve their goals in life. And he is up to some incredible things in the world right now. We sat down for coffee a week ago for about 90 minutes and just went in on transformation, mind, body, spirit, brotherhoods, uniting men together, and all of the things. So captured so many great things in this conversation today. Some of what we talked about is why some men have to hit rock bottom before making a change. We know that there is this mythology of the hero's journey and having to go through the dark night of the soul. So we expounded upon why some guys just have to hit that rock bottom before they'll ever make a change. We talked about the Phoenix Theory of Transformation, which was a new one for me, and how to make sense of the twists and turns of our life paths. So uh, I'll let Chris explain this a little bit more, but it's a really fascinating take on reviewing the things that come up in our lives and how we respond to them as part of our transformation journey. We talked a lot about male body image. As you guys will hear, Chris shared that he was overweight as a, as a child and was bullied for it, picked on for it, and created his version of who he thought he was based on the beliefs of other people. 
and that followed him into adulthood. And so we talked about why, how this is just as big of a deal as female body image, but often gets overlooked because we're men and we're tough and we don't have body image issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> and last but not least, we talked about how to uplevel your body, mind, and spirit simultaneously, not to focus on any one component as though they're separate, but to integrate all of them together. Without further ado, my esteemed guest for this week, Chris Bartle. Excellent to have you on the show here, man. And and great. We just we just started up this connection last week and said, hey, we got to jump on the mic right away and catch this conversation we're having. So <laughs> thanks for making that happen, man. I love catching it while the iron's hot. Oh, man, I love it. Thank you so much for having having me on, man. I've been a fan of the podcast for a while. So it's a, it's an honor to you know finally get to meet you and, and, and see you and put the voice to a, a face and meet you in person. And, uh, and now I'm just excited to, to be here with you, man. Awesome, man. Yes, likewise. And you bring such a wonderful element of the masculine spectrum to the table with the training aspect, nutritional aspect, and really helping not just men, men and women, but humans develop their body as well as their mind. So I'm looking forward to have bringing your angle to this conversation of manhood and masculinity. So before, before we jump into what your bread and butter is, let me ask you this. What to you is the difference between a boy and a man? Oh man, I knew you were going to hit me with that question. (laughs) (laughs) I think that to me, the difference between a boy and a man is just really having an understanding of your role in life and your life's purpose. I think growing up as a boy, especially modern day, there's so many external influences that are pulling kids in so many different directions that they that they get lost or they feel panicked and they're not really quite sure how to develop themselves. And you know, at least when I was growing up, we didn't have all those external distractions. We could just really focus on what we were doing and our parents were our guiding light and they're our guiding forces and they really shaped how we were supposed to go in life. So, but being a man nowadays compared to a boy, it's a totally different ballgame in in all honesty. Mm. And, And so how does a boy on the journey to becoming a man figure out his way in the world? How, how does he put that mark and, and point his finger at, this is my way? How, how does he go about that? There's a couple of ways, I think. One, I think mentorship is a key, key thing to kids nowadays, because like I said, you're so distracted going a million different ways to have somebody that you can come to on a level and just be open and honest and admit that they're struggling and that they need help and they guidance from someone else other than their parents. There's mm-hmm. definitely a role that parents play but in their journey to try to be the best for their kids, that sometimes they don't see things in different lights. Whereas, you know, at least my position as a coach and working with young high school athletes, I can, com- I can provide a completely new and different perspective. So I really take mm-hmm. that role as a mentorship. And I think young kids and young boys especially need to find a male mentorship to help guide them through that. But I also mm-hmm. think a lot of trial and error. You've got to really explore yourself and explore the world and get out there and get out of the bubble. There's always a protective bubble that surrounds a lot of kids. And if they stay stuck in that bubble for too long, they're not going to have the world knowledge of everything and how to interact and how to problem solve at a really deep, intimate level. So, I mean, mentorship and exploration, man, kids just got to get out and just trial it, try it out. (laughs) Yeah, man. And, and one of my greatest teachers, mentors, heroes in life so far has been Bruce Lee. Yeah, I've really studied his philosophies. And one of the things that he teaches, and I've shared it here on the podcast before, because I love it, is this concept of exposing ourselves out in the world to different things and letting them wash over us and accepting what resonates essentially and letting go of what doesn't, and then taking that and making it uniquely our own. Yeah, And I find that This fits beautifully right over the top of the journey from boy to man, because what do boys do? We we mimic or imitate things we see that produce a certain result, things that we like, things that we things that get us what we want, and then we continue to do those things. But I think to fully cross over into manhood, into adulthood, means to make that your own and to stop playing this comparison game. And I was just having a conversation with another man in my life this week how we go back and forth 
in and out of this comparison game and comparing ourselves to the success story or the success strategies of other people and using that as our measure for how well we're doing versus, well, what, what, what do I say is my measure of success? What do I say is important and getting caught up in that? So has that shown up for you or or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it has actually, you know, and it's funny that you, you bring up Bruce Lee because at least people of my generation, we always love to quote Bruce Lee. I mean, we grew up on that. You, we would see him as this kind of icon of a human being on how to transform your body and how to transform your mind. And, you know, when you look up to those people and, you know, I use the term idol or idolization really loosely, it can become a serious, dangerously slope. So like, I mean, I remember my best friend, Jeff and I, we used to love watching Kung Fu movies and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And we would want to mimic and imitate things. So we would jump on the roof and we would wait till his little brothers come home from school and we would try backflips off a 15 foot roof and end up breaking our arms and our legs and stuff like that. Uh But we were just fearless, but we were looking for that guidance. We wanted somebody to kind of help shape our way. And we loved what Bruce Lee had to say. So I I think he hit the nail right on the head right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the trial and error piece, right? Sometimes jumping off the roof and doing backflips results in broken legs and you don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) Yep. Definitely take note of that. Yeah. Awesome, man. So I like to bring whomever I'm interviewing, I like to bring their unique story into the conversation because it helps whoever's listening connect to you and really understand where you're coming from. And we talk about the, the wisdom pieces that you have to give. So can you share a little bit with whoever's listening out there your backstory, some of the challenges and struggles you went through. I know that you told me that you had battled through your own addictions and, yeah. you know, some, some darkness in relationships. So just, just walk us through the highlight real version of that. Well, I, I think in order to capture the full depth of everything, you really got to go back to my, my childhood. I had an amazing childhood. I mean, my, my parents did an amazing job giving my brother, I have an older brother who's five years older. They gave us the freedom to write our own story. And if we made a mistake, they were there to help teach us. If we made the right choice, they were there to pat us on the back and say, congratulations, you did an amazing job. Let's keep pushing forward. So I don't want people to think that my childhood was really that bad, but I also grew up overweight and I was very, very active. Like I I always tell the story that our, our, our lives growing up didn't revolve around the traditional seasons of fall, winter, spring, and summer. It was, okay, mm. we got football in the fall, hockey, basketball, snow skiing in the winter, baseball, golf in the, in the springtime, camping, fishing, skiing, summer. So it all revolved around sports. Um, back in that, you know, back in the early to mid 80s, that's the popularity of shirts and skins, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine being the overweight kid and always being put on skin with all the other mm. overweight kids. And then everyone's laughing and snickering and, and making fun of us and, and calling jokes definitely did take a toll. But instead of unleashing, you know, fighting on the playground or anything like that, I knew being so active in sports, that was my outlet. So that's why I gravitated toward violent sports like football and hockey. And I just loved to hit people. And I would just keep, keep everything buried and buried and buried. And I didn't really know how bad it had gotten until I got older, got into college. And like everybody does in college, you kind of indulge a little bit. And then, you know, I, I came down to California and I got introduced to really heavy, hardcore narcotics. And I was probably 300 plus pounds. I was teetering on alcoholism, but I was a full-blown cocaine addict. I mean, there wasn't anything that I wouldn't do to get that, that bag of coke and just start shoving it up my nose seven days a week. And it was like that for, gosh, probably a good two and a half, three years. And I didn't let anybody know about it until my story kind of came out a few years later. But I ended up getting into a tipping point where I was so big at one point that I couldn't tie my shoes. And Mm. this was my traumatic event. And I I remember it clear as day. I was at my parents' house. I was getting ready to go out. And I was standing up and I went to bend over and tie my shoes. But I had to suck my belly in and hold my breath to tie my shoes. And I ended Mm. up tying both shoes. When I got done, I, I stood up and I got so lightheaded that I fell back onto my bed and, mm. and I just sat there and I was like, holy cow, like what just happened? And when I, when I eventually stood up and I looked in the mirror, I just was disgusted. And, and I remember it clear as day. It was the, the dialogue in my head was, you are a fat, worthless piece of shit. Nobody is going to love you. You'd be better off killing yourself because you're a fucking loser. Mm. And it just resonated in my head. And then all of a sudden being overweight. Now I have massive thoughts of suicide and I'm still battling addiction. 
it was a very scary time. And, you know, I got a, I got a helping hand. There was this uh, a website called uh, tnation.com and they had an application mm-hmm. for their physique clinic. And uh, this is going on probably over 10 years ago now. And I applied for it and I didn't think I was going to get it. But in the application, they, they, they asked, why do you want to be part of this program? And instead of saying why I wanted to be part of the program, I challenged them. I was like, here's why you're not going to pick me. And I basically called them out and I challenged them and they ended up picking me. And that single event of falling back. Why, why, what did, I'm curious. Why did you say they wouldn't pick you? What did you put down there for why they wouldn't pick you? It was simple. I did my research on the coach who was going to be running it. And his name is Christian Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best strength coaches in the world. And he's worked with all these high-end athletes, all these high-end bodybuilders, physique competitors, NHL athletes. I mean, you name it, and he's done it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why would they want to work with somebody like me? So that's exactly what I said. I was like, you don't have what it takes to work with somebody like me because you can't take a fat loser like myself and turn me into something better and something different. And I didn't know it at the time, but he was a big overweight kid too. And he had to go through a transformation himself growing up. So he took it upon himself yeah. as a personal challenge. Yeah, and like challenge accepted. I can see that. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you don't think it, you can do this? Watch this. So and it sounds like this is where things started to turn around for you. Is that, is that about right? Just like the beginning of that? Yeah, this was the first massive tipping point that I had in my life. Okay, so so before we before we start walking out of the darkness, I wanna I don't want to skip over that because yeah. I know that that's that part's so important. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine being in that position, you know, being over 300 pounds, you know, battling with addiction and having that moment where you get so lightheaded, you fall back on your bed, and and it's like almost like the clouds part, kind of like you come out of that fog. I know I could relate to that from when I was, um, when I was smoking weed every day, there was like that moment for me, that sobering moment, whether I was sober or not, where I just saw myself really clearly. And I know for me, I related to what you said when you said that you, you, it was like almost like a self-loathing or like, how could anybody love me? I'm fat, I'm overweight, I'm a loser, et cetera. I remember having that dialogue come up in my head. And so just, just tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I think that's something that men need to know that they're not alone in having those experiences you know, and that they can it, find their way out of it. I, I don't think it's just relegated to men either. I think everybody has those deep, dark periods at some point in their life. I think some people are just better at pulling themselves out more than others. I had mm. been, I had been wanting help for a long time, but my problem was, is that I wasn't verbalizing that. Like I didn't come to anybody with the, with the, the cry for help saying like, look, I I'm thinking of killing myself. Like mm. I need your help. I didn't do that. I kept everything inside and I tried to rationalize and justify why I should do it instead of why I shouldn't. Mm. And when you get going down that slippery slope, it is, it is terrifying. It's one of the scariest things that I've ever been through. Mm. You hear addicts all the time, especially recovering addicts, and they talk about what it's like at the bottom of the barrel looking up, 100% mm. true. And I never thought it was until I was sitting at the bottom looking mm. up. Because between the time that I actually applied for the program and got accepted, I actually OD'd. And mm. I was, and I'll, I'll never forget, I, I was so stoned and out of my mind that I just couldn't stop. And I remember being in my garage and I must have did, uh, geez, I don't know, probably seven or eight lines in probably under 60 seconds. I mean, I Mm. was just flying through that. And the next thing I know, the sun's coming up and I'm in my lawn in my underwear and I'm convulsing and throwing up. Mm. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? And that terrified me. Like, Mm. you know, not being able to tie your shoes is scary, but dying and almost is even more terrifying. Mm-hmm. I remember just thinking like, when is this program going to start? Like if I don't get into this program, like I will die. Like I will not see the light of day anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I got, and when I got accepted, it was, it was that, that parting of the clouds, like you just said, it was my, it was such a breath of fresh air. It was just like, okay, I cried for help in a roundabout kind of way. And these people have opened their arms and opened their hearts. Now I got to go put in the work. You know, if I really want to do let, this, I got to do it. Let me ask you this. What, what about it for you made it so difficult to just ask for help directly? I would, it was shame. It was ego. Mm-hmm. I was afraid people would judge me for letting, letting things take control of my life instead of me being in control. And I always had this fear that if I went to somebody and asked for help, that they would say no. 
because they just didn't like what they saw. Mm. And it was a fall. It was a false fear, but being on the other side and helping people through that. I mean, a lot of people feel that way. They're, they're afraid mm-hmm. to ask for help because they are, they're afraid they're going to be judged instead of just being open to love and being open to self-fulfillment. They, they, they block it off. And, mm. and that's something that people need to kind of work themselves through. It's like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for love and forgiveness and, and it for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the power of vulnerability, especially f- with social media and just personal development exploding in our culture right now. There's so many people out there who are putting themselves out there as, hey, I can help you. I can help you get this result without showing them all the behind the scenes stuff, what it took to get there. You know, just like the guy that had the program going that you applied to, it didn't sound like it was public knowledge that he was the chubby kid growing up and that he had to work his own way out of that. And I think that's, it's important for people to see their way in. Yeah. To see, oh, you can relate to my experience. Oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I'm not unique. Yeah. And there's a way out and you know it. I think that it's there's a responsibility on both sides of the spectrum of being able to ask for help and also letting people know that, hey, I can I know where you're coming from and I yeah. and I'm happy to to support you. Yep. Agree hundred percent, man. Yeah. So so here we go. You 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 had your, you know, your your rock bottom moment, so to speak, and you get into this program. So tell us a little bit about that transformation and how it sets you on the trajectory for the next stage of life. It was an incredibly powerful experience going through this. And two guys were in charge of the program and I always give them all the credit in the world. So Christian was my, was my coach coach. Um, he wrote all of my training programs and he wrote all of my nutrition and then senior content editor for T Nation named Chris Sugar. He helped a lot with more of the psychology behind it because, you know, he himself was a bigger kid growing up and, and, and he had to go through his transformation in, in college. Right. And he wrote an article called The Phoenix Theory of Transformation. And that to me was my guiding light because that's exactly what I was doing. I was a phoenix. I was going through that whole process of trying to destroy my former self so I could be rebirthed as something new and something different. And I grasped that mm-hmm. and I really took, I, I took it and ran with it, you know, and, and the, the program was brutal. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hard. I mean, I was walking, I was walking six, seven miles a day. I was doing three hour gym sessions. I was unemployed at the time. So I, I was living at the gym. If I wasn't training at the gym, I was just hanging out at the gym. And if I wasn't hanging out at the gym, I was surfing. But wasn't surfing, mm-hmm. I was walking. So I just tried to be as active as human as possible. And the weight was just flying off, like at an astronomical mm-hmm. pace. And, you know, I covered my mirrors with my before pictures so I could use that as a motivation. I had my program on the one side of the mirror. So I always knew what I was doing every single day. I had Chris's article on the, the life of a phoenix and how it relates to a transformation. So I was just surrounding myself with just this motivation of what I had to do to get better. And can you talk about the phoenix theory a little bit more? Because I think th- that's a really fascinating yeah. one. I don't know if everybody's going to be familiar with that. Um, the phoenix theory of transformation is is a simple theory that basically says there's four phases to a, a, a lifestyle or body transformation. And I was going to get into this when we get into my, my current project, but since it brought up, I'll go into it right now. So step one is what's called the awakening, which is some sort of traumatic event that leads to a sudden realization like, oh crap, I need to do something totally different or else bad things are going to happen. So my traumatic mm-hmm. event was <laughs> not being able to tie my shoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second step is what I call fueling the fire. And that's, you know, an anger and a firm desire to change. So once you understand that, oh crap, I need to do something, something has to to motivate you. And for a lot of people, it is that anger, like, holy crap, how did I let myself fall so far? Like, look at yourself. And I looked at myself and I was angry because I was an athlete. I knew I was better than this. Mm -hmm. So it was just like throwing gasoline on the fire, boom, 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 every day. Let's just stoke that fire and just let's ride that anger. And uh, it came through a lot in my writing because we were required to blog a lot. And it, that came through in my writing. The third step is what I call rise from the ashes. And this is where the actual physical transformation starts to happen in, in, in this. So for me, that happened in like month two to month three when I realized that, holy cow, I'm losing seven, eight, nine pounds a week. And I'm starting to see that my body change. Like I'm starting to see the fat 
coming off my body. I had veins in my forearm for the first time. You know, I could start to see my abs for the first time in the history of my life. So I'm like, oh my gosh, mm. this is actually happening. Mm. And it was like being on the best wave of my life. All of a sudden, the anger turned to positivity. And that positivity just kept the ball rolling. And then the final phase is what's called, I like to call Phi Phoenix Fly. And that's the continued progress fueled by fear of regression. So that's why mm. if you notice in the fitness industry, before and after pictures are so powerful for people because they want mm. people to see where they came from to never go back there again. Like it terrifies mm. me to go back to the, that person that I was. And because of that fear, I I try not to put myself in a situations where I'm going to step back into that lifestyle again. Mm. So it, that, that's, that, that's interesting right there. That, tell, what do you think about using fear as a motivator? I think it's amazing. Yeah. So tell me about that. Cause I think there's a lot well, of people who would kind of like, er, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of people do when I talk to them about this for this fourth phase, but you can, all, I, I think regret is a good thing. I think fear is a good thing because they're, they're ways to teach life lessons. Mm. You know, the first time, you ever did something incredibly dangerous as a kid, you know, maybe you did the rope swing that you weren't supposed to do. You jumped off the cliff into a, into a lake that was, you know, that you weren't supposed to jump off. That initial feeling that you had was fear. And the only mm -hmm. way for you to get over that was just to do something. So mm -hmm. I think fear is a positive thing. The first time people ride a bike, you're afraid to get on the bike because you're afraid you're going to fall, but that doesn't stop you from getting on the bike and trying to ride without training wheels for the first time. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's fear is a chemical reaction in the brain and you can control what you do with it. If you let fear mm -hmm. control you, you're going to live in the bubble. You're going to live secluded and you're not going to be able to fully experience the beauty and the breadth of life. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very intrinsic motivator for a, for a lot of people, but a lot of people see it because the society is so scarcity mindset that mm -hmm. they're crippled by the fear instead of embracing that fear and being like, if that scares me, I'm going to go do it anyways, because mm. if it scares me, it's going to challenge me. If it challenges me, it's going to make me better and I'm going to learn and I'm going to become yeah. something more. So that's why that fear is always that final step. And, and I, and I like that shift in context when it comes to fear, because fear is going to be there anyway. Yeah. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anybody who lives in a fearless state. I think there's people who learn how to leverage fear in an oh, effective yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, so I'm glad you expounded upon that. Cause I think that's, that, that's something I can really relate to and connect with. Well, and it was a very hard lesson for me to learn. Like at the time I didn't realize that what I was going through was fear and that was keeping me from going back. But, uh, Two mentors that I, I, I've been working with lately, a guy named Mike Dasani and Jay Ferugia have helped me understand that it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to show vulnerability because it takes more strength to admit that I'm afraid of something or that something mm -hmm. that scares me than it is just to pretend like I'm, I'm not afraid or scared of it at all. Yeah. And, and so by embracing that whole concept, now all of a sudden the world opens up to a whole bunch of different avenues. Right. Because you might be afraid, but if I'm afraid of something now, I'm going to go right at it because I know that's what I need to be doing instead of being in my comfort zone. Absolutely, man. And, you know, I, I want to take a couple steps back because this Phoenix theory of transformation you introduced, I think is, is brilliant. And it got me thinking about the, the dark night of the soul of the hero's journey, right? That mm -hmm. what I'm beginning to believe is more than just a common archetype, but an actual necessity for transformation is to experience rock bottom, whatever that looks like. It doesn't necessarily have to be overdosing or standing on the bridge ready to jump off type of rock bottom, but to experience a rock bottom that's so compelling that has that cloud parting moment where you get to really see yourself in the mirror and say, is this what I want? Is this what I want to choose? Because you know, there, there's so many people who are doing things that they know are not good for them. Right. Yep. I mean, you, you can take an even uh, a lesser example of somebody who spends money compulsively on clothing. It's like, you know, you're not doing much for your financial future when you're going out and buying new, the new Jordans every month. Yep. Right. But you still do it and you'll probably still do it until you get yourself in a financial jam. That's like, oh, wow, look what I've done to myself. So it seems like it's almost a necessary part of the phase. And I hear I hear you saying that and you've been in transformation for a long time. Would you say that that's universal when it comes to actually making a change? I would say yes, because that feel good thing that you're talking about is the brain releasing dopamine. So mm -hmm. 
So it's kind of an outcome-based thing. So even though people know they shouldn't be spending $500 on a pair of shoes, the minute they do it and they have that fancy pair of shoes that everybody wants, dopamine gets released in the brain and it makes them feel good about themselves. And that mm -hmm. itself can become addiction as well. That's why right. it's a good reason why, why people get addicted to gambling. It's not that they get addicted to winning. They get addicted to the dopamine release of like, holy crap, mm -hmm. I'm about to drop $1,000 on black 17 mm -hmm. with a 33 to one shot of it landing on that roulette table. You know what uh -huh. I mean? So yeah, yeah. it's all about controlling yourself and your impulses and your emotions and, and realizing that there is a reward and a, and a chemical release for certain things like that. So mm -hmm. fear is one of them. You know what I mean? It's a mm -hmm. chemical release in the brain. It's something inside of you telling you that you should not do this for whatever reason it may be. And then it's just mm -hmm. up to you to decide whether you want to live in fear or you want to conquer your fear. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important because I know in men's work, I have come up against numerous examples, numerous interactions with men where you can see the train wreck coming. Yep. I don't know if it's next week, next month, next year, but there's a train wreck waiting to happen. And I've sat in circles with men who can see it coming as well. They can see the train wreck coming, but they can't get off the tracks. They can't get off the tracks. And so it's led me to wonder, is that something that needs to happen? Does, does, it, does that individual really need to experience the train wreck in order to change? hoping that they survive and make their way through it. Cause that's another reality, right? Not everybody makes it through. Some people go too far. Some people yeah. play on the tracks for too long. Yeah. I think it really depends on the person because you, you're just describing me and what mm -hmm. I was like, I had to have those pivotal moments of complete despair and, mm -hmm. and really facing death, like looking at the grim reaper right in front of me. So yeah, some people really do have to do that because they, they, it goes back to fear. They're, they're so crippled to ask for help. They're afraid because they don't want to be judged instead of just jumping off the tracks. Like I could have had, you know, a dozen different people when I was in my, was in, when I was in my addiction phase, try to get me out of it, but I wouldn't have listened mm -hmm. because I wasn't ready mm -hmm. for that message at that point in time. Cause I was just, Nope, I'm going to ride this. I'm going to, this is my life. This is the the path that I've chosen, there's no possible way out. Hmm. And I think that once you experience rock bottom, then it's a very humbling and sobering experience. And then all of a sudden you're like, yes, there is. I do have options. I do have a choice. Because when you're in the hmm. moment, you don't see it. The only thing that you see is what's going to take the pain away. Hmm. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And I, I have this theory that for guys in that position, the fear of asking for help the fear of revealing what's really going on behind the scenes and being vulnerable with somebody is so much greater than the fear of death or the fear of hitting yeah. that rock bottom. Yeah. That that's why they continue to go that way. Would you say that's true for you? That was true for you? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. I would have rather have died than asked for help. It was easier oh. to die than it was to ask for help. And damn, that's so powerful, man. So many people feel the same way. And that's why, it's important to shed this message and get this thing out, especially in masculine circles. You know what? Fuck your ego. Ask for help. Like there's guys like myself that were in your, in your position. And I waited almost until it was too long to ask for help. You know, Mike Desani, I, I keep bringing, I'll bring up his name for, from now until the, the, the day I die. Being vulnerable is okay. It takes an immense amount of strength for a man to admit that he's wrong. It takes an immense amount of strength for a man to ask for help. It takes less of all that just to not do anything and to hope that mm -hmm. change comes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the men's circles that you're doing, the, you know, the accountability group that I've started, my Phoenix project, that's all about empowering people to be like, it's okay. Be emotional, be afraid, be vulnerable because you will only grow by showing those emotions. If you stay rigid right. and you stay a rock, you're going to be a rock. But if you're mm -hmm. open to change and you let the waters shape the rock, all of a sudden now you can become something different. You can be something beautiful and amazing. And now all of a sudden there are no clouds over you. You see nothing but blue sky in front of you. And then all of a sudden the world looks different. It smells different. The sounds mm. are different. All of a sudden you're like, wow, 
this is beautiful. Like, this is powerful. Mm-hmm. And all because you were like, look, I need help. Yep. Period. Yep. Yeah. I, I need help. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been there before. I, I even yeah. I was even talking about this last week when I was interviewed on someone else's podcast. I can remember those crystalline moments in my life where I shared a vulnerable truth with mm-hmm. a circle of men and immediately on the other side of it felt lighter. Yeah. Like actually could feel physically less heavy. And, you know, I was, I've never been an overweight person, but to, to, so for me to notice a, notice a tangible shift in how I felt walking around the world, my, my shoulders would open up and all of a sudden possibilities roll in. It's like, whoa, now I'm not the only person in the world who knows that I thought about killing myself. Yeah. I'm not the only person in the world who knows that I went to work high for the majority of my, the beginning of my career. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, and there's also people looking at me saying, me too, bro. Yeah. What? You too? Really? Yeah, I didn't tell anybody about it either, but me too. It's uh, damn yeah. man, it's such a powerful thing, and if it, and that is sometimes the biggest mountain to climb. Yeah, sometimes that's the biggest one. Yep, and that's why I think the work that you're doing with the men's circles and the increase of popularity of accountability groups and masterminds can be so powerful because you know I tell people that 2018 was hands down the worst year of my life, and that sounds kind of ironic considering my whole background, but. It was hands down the worst experience, the worst year of my life, comma, it was also the most amazingly beautiful and greatest year of my life at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have understand that without the help of Dasani and Jay Ferugia and the mastermind that I did with them because they surrounded me with men. They surrounded me with men that weren't afraid to be vulnerable. We were in the beginning, that very first meeting that we did in Santa Monica, all of us were a little bit apprehensive to want to let let everybody in because you're in a room and you're surrounded by strangers you don't know Mm -hmm. anybody there and you're like i'm not going to say anything because i'm afraid this guy is going to judge me but then the first Mm -hmm. time that that person shows a little crack in the armor and they start to Mm -hmm. show emotion and they start to let the other guys in you could feel the energy of the room turn from this rigid masculine testosterone to this flexible testosterone of love And then all of a sudden people started sharing. So that's the power of joining groups because I think instead of going on a one-on-one basis, it it allows people to let their guard down a little bit easier, especially if they're in a group of people that know that they're all going through the same shit at the same time. It might be a different Mm -hmm. form of it, but everybody all has their own issues that they all have to deal with. And if you can come together as a brotherhood, you can come together as men and you can embrace that and help each other. That is something so incredibly powerful. And, and I, I love being part of that group every minute of them. I miss my renegade brothers so, so much. And hmm. I give them all the credit in the world for helping take back control of my life and making the worst year, my best year ever. Yeah. And it's good to hear yet another man share that because the guy, the guys, whoever's listening to this, hears me talk about that all the time. I I give more than 90% of how I've gotten to where I am in my life to have a family, to have a a marriage, children. I give almost all of that credit to the support I've gotten for men. I wouldn't even know how to show up in that space and to love my family the way that I do and provide the way that I do if it wasn't for men who showed me who I was. And, and not, not just the, the dirty socks, you know, the dirty socks are really important, but also the men who reminded me, Hey, you are really doing a great job. You're an asshole, just like the rest of us. And you're doing a great job. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. keep it, you know, that, that, that dose of that blend, that elixir of humility and lightheartedness with genuine, authentic, here's what I see. So yeah. powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be surrounded by people be like, dude, you fucked up. You really fucked up, but guess what, brother? I love you. Come here. Let me hug you. Let me help you with this. Let's, let's, let's work through this. Let's figure out how this happened, how you put yourself in that position. Let's learn from it. So you never get put in that position again. And it's, it's so powerful. It's so incredibly Mm -hmm. powerful. I wish, I wish I would have done it 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have done it 10 years ago because I think by, by stepping into that realm of masculinity and being surrounded by men, I think it would have completely changed the trajectory of my entire life. I, I, yeah. I firmly believe that. I, it's happening now at the midpoint of my life. And so I'm so happy. I'm so stoked for what's going to happen in front of me. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Now it's, just yeah. wide, it's a wide open road, brother. 
I know, man. And when we jumped into the conversation we had last week, it was cool because I saw you with your background bringing the physical training, the nutritional training, I guess yep. the, the body transformation component that already has the mind transformation component of it wrapped in yep. and bringing that into the brotherhood space. And I was just like, yeah, baby. Because that's, that's bringing, that's taking, taking it on every single level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about that. Why it's so important to, at least in your perspective, to bring it all together under one roof to help men transform their lives and transform their bodies. There's, there's a million different ways to reinvent the wheel, right? But when it comes mm -hmm. down to it, the wheel is still a wheel. So if you can break <laughs> things down into simple moving parts, things that people can control that don't intimidate them. So food is, is a massive one that I don't think a lot of people understand the, um, the power that it has. Because when people think of diets and nutrition, they, they're like, oh, wow, I got to do this or I got to do that. I got to track this. I got to track that way, this way, that. But what they don't understand is nutrition helps connect you to the earth. Okay. It helps connect you mm -hmm. to other human beings. Nutrition and food and eating is an incredibly spiritual and social dynamic. I mean, we just came out of the holidays. Mm -hmm. How much? And everybody gets surrounded by food, right? You have these big elaborate dinners, people are talking, it's emotional, it's a, it's a connection. So if you can help some, somebody understand that, like, look, if you can control your nutrition, that's the easiest thing for you to do, okay? Let's mm -hmm. look at what you're doing on a daily basis and let's make small incremental little changes. Let's build that snowball. Let's take this tiny little chunk of snow and let's turn it into this massive thing with one simple step at a time. You know, it's, I, I work with people that when I look at their intake form, they're like, I have 15 to 20 drinks a week. I'm like, that's awesome. How do you feel? Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, let's take it down to 10 drinks for the first couple of weeks. And then you start the slow process of slowly whittling them down. After two, three months, they're like, man, I maybe have one or two drinks a week, considering they went mm -hmm. to 10 to 15 drinks a day. You know what I mean? Or something out loud. Crazy. And that's, that's not a, yeah. Uh, me blowing things out of proportion. I actually have had that happen to me before. So, and then mm -hmm. the training aspect, it's, you know, you get 168 hours in a week. All I'm asking for is for you to control three of them and put your body and control your body for three hours. And let's mm -hmm. learn, let's learn some lessons about what you can do physically because the mind will always quit on your body. Your body is incredibly powerful. It can do more than your mind gives it credit for. And this is where the whole operator mentality, as Craig Valentine likes to say, the whole Navy SEAL mentality. It's just like they, they train their, our soldiers and they purposely try to break them mentally because they know that physically they can probably handle it. Like those mm -hmm. guys are very, very elite level athletes when it comes down to it, but they break them emotionally. They break them mentally. So if you can work on three hours a week in a gym and build your strength there, now all of a sudden you've worked on two simple habits. Mm -hmm. that are stepping stones for something bigger. Because if you have a laundry list of issues like I had, you need something basic. You need something easy to control. Get up, go to the gym for 45 minutes. Don't have that beer. Don't have that piece of candy. It's, it's something simple like that. So that's a really right. easy way to get people to understand like this is how change is. It's not something to be afraid of. It's something, yeah. to, it's something to embrace because we blow things out of proportion in our mind and they make them bigger and worse than they actually really are. And, yeah, man. And that's the beauty of, of, you know, going to the gym and working out and, and, and dialing in the food. I, I love that you brought that up. It was very similar for me when I pulled myself out of my own rock bottom, it was doing a few things. Well, I would wake up, make my bed, meditate for 30 minutes, move my body for 45 and then make breakfast. <laughs> and then yeah. as long as I did that, I won the first, you know, 90 minutes of my day and I could go and, you know, and, and, and that led to other things. Those, yeah. those small victories consecutively led to other things. I felt better. I had more energy, felt better about myself, more confident to be out there socially. And, you know, the dominoes start to fall from there. So yeah. um, I love that you put it in that perspective, man, because it really, it really can be simple and it can look like a really big mountain to climb when you're at the bottom of the mountain, staring up at it all by yourself. Yeah. And what you're doing, it sounds like is uh, letting them know that the mountain's actually closer than you think. And I'm going to walk there with you. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the, the illustration I like to show people is I would, I'll even draw a picture of a mountain and I'll be like, this is the mountain. This is Mount Everest. We don't, we don't scale Mount Everest 10,000 feet at a time. 
we still <laughs> Mount Everest 12 inches at a time. Yeah. I love that. Small incremental steps always lead to long-term success. The other way. Around. That's awesome, man. A lot of times when people want to do information, they go too big, too fast, and then it becomes too hard. You know what I mean? But if you break it down in just those small steps, let's work on two little tiny habits for the next two weeks. Then let's add to that. Let's add to that. Let's add to that. Then over the course of eight, 10, 12 weeks, six months, you look back on everything that you went to. You're like, wow, I, I really created, you know, a dozen new habits when, it, and you're right, it wasn't that hard at all. It was mm-hmm. small steps. It was focusing on the minutiae to let the, the big thing, the bigger picture come into, into clear frame. That's awesome, man. I love that reminder to keep it simple. That's, that's, that one never gets old. <laughs> oh, man, it, and, uh, <laughs> the, the kiss philosophy, man, keep it simple, stupid. That's it. Awesome, man. Well, I know there's there's so much territory we could cover, man, and I really yeah. enjoy having this conversation with you, but yeah. we do have to wrap it up here. I, I want to ask you a few lightning round questions at the end here. <laughs> Real simple responses just to get your Insta feedback. You ready for it? Hit, hit me, brother. Hit me. <laughs> All right. What is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Oh, man. Um, to be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Awesome. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Love. Love. Beautiful. And uh, last thing, last but not least, how can people follow you, track what you're doing, get involved in working with you? What are the social media links? Absolutely. Anything we can do to track uh, the journey? Well, I'm on, I'm on Facebook just under Chris Bartle, B as in boy, A-R-T-L. I do most of my stuff on Instagram. Again, it's just, you can find me at Chris Bartle. My email is uh, strengthinksb, so the word strength, I-N-C, SB is in Santa Barbara at gmail.com. My website's chrisbartle.com. I'm in the process of switching servers. So the website's actually down. So if people are interested in working with me with my Phoenix transformation project, online training and nutrition coaching, just shoot me an email. I got an online application form for people to fill out. They set up a call and then uh, we see if it's something that's going to be a fit or not. And then uh, we kind of go from there. Instagram is my where I spend most of my days. So. Awesome, man. And especially for those Santa Barbarians, you know, the local Santa Barbarans <laughs> here. Definitely, Chris is a, is a solid resource here in the community, which uh, I'm starting to see more and more men come out of the woodworks, man. So I'm, awesome. I'm uh, intending for a lot of men to find you and to tap into your circle. And last, last thing, man, just super grateful to have connected with you and to have deepened into this conversation of what it is to be a man and capturing your story and your brilliance here on the show, man, for everybody else. Thanks for being here. Dude, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast, brother. Awesome, man. Until next time, bro. All right. All right. I've been loving the flow of the conversations. Ever since I did episode 50, I made a commitment, especially in 2019. I said, going forward this year, these are going to be more conversational. We're going to really go deep. We're going to go deeper into the things that are relatable, the things that more men are experiencing out there so that this can really be a dialogue for all of us to participate in, not just not just a lecture. Okay. And I really feel like Chris brought that. I think that he's such a kind-hearted man and also just an absolute warrior and mover and shaker in this world. And I I enjoyed having this conversation with him. And the Phoenix Theory of Transformation was was a really great tool to bring into the space for me to give context to that journey we go through, that going through the process of the awakening, having that clouds parting coming to Jesus moment that wakes us up and snaps us into some sort of action out of a need and then staying motivated and not going back into that lifestyle and, and the constant challenge of being tempted back into old ways. I, I just love that stuff and I really love the way that Chris brought that into into our dialogue and so shout out to you brother when you're listening to this I really appreciate you man thanks for being on here. All right fellas for those of you out there who want to be a part of the next Elements Men's Initiation Weekend I We'll be talking all about it when we get back from this next one, giving you guys teasers and updates on how it went. But for those of you who want to get involved in the next one, make sure you head over now to rise.jettyazuma.com slash elements. Reserve your spot today because there were so many men who want to sign up for the next one. I'm, I'm really excited to see that this type of work is picking up momentum. And so head over there right now, get your spot. Let's have a conversation.
conversation. I love talking to you guys. So let's do it. As always, check out the links for show notes and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Anything we talked about in this episode that was relevant, my power team, mainly my man, Julian, who's been working behind the scenes so hard for the past several months, is always putting together amazing show notes and all the links and resources for you guys who want to follow our amazing cast of guests and get involved with what they're doing. And sometimes also for references we talk about. So all of that's up at therisingmanpodcast.com. Go check it out. Make sure you guys who are listening, if you're new and haven't subscribed or given us a follow yet, please do because we love to see new subscribers and to know that our information that we're dropping, the content we're dropping is reaching your ears each and every Monday and Thursday. So please subscribe and follow us. It also helps to raise our ratings so that more men can find out about the work that we're doing here on the podcast. So please leave any comments, reflections, takeaways you have as well by leaving a review of the episode and the podcast itself, wherever you're listening to it. So whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, any one of the thousands of (laughs) podcast mediums there seem to be these days, uh, go ahead and please do that. It really helps us out appreciate it. And while you're at it, check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast. My man Rowan Tyne, who is also on Instagram at Rowan, R-O-W-A-N-T-Y-N-E. That's Rowan Tyne. He's just a social media magician. I'm just going to call it what it is. And he's been making the Rising Man Podcast social media and all of our announcements just look so good. I've been enjoying looking at the at the images and I know what's coming. So uh, yes, please go check us out. Give us a follow. Share, share our page with other people who you think would be interested in it like you like I like I always say this is about spreading the message spreading the word and getting more men involved all around the world so please do that Sean Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics at Infinite M-E-L-O-D-I-X on Instagram you guys have heard me mention his name every single episode because he is the one who is spinning them out every single time and if it weren't for him this wouldn't be possible you guys wouldn't hear my voice every single week so Sean thanks for the work you're doing brother appreciate you and last but not least my man Mark Rose who's rounding out my power team Appreciate all the work that you're doing, man. He's working on some behind the scenes special projects that you guys won't hear about for another few months, but we'll be so excited when we finally release it. I'm excited, so I'm sure you will be too. All right, until next time, everybody, rise up and claim your destiny.